you know that he is the love that will never fail. He is the love that will never turn its back on you. You can trust and believe in love because uh, he'll never forsake you. He always has your best interest at heart. with him was the best thing I've ever done. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank God for Pastor Johnson for inviting me to come back home. It all started right here. Can you see it? What do you call this kid? What is it called? And Anise. It all started right here for me. I lived in a dysfunctional home. It was a home that did not have the Holy Spirit flowing through it on a daily basis. There was a lot of turmoil and a lot of uh, hurt and the enemy was running rampant. But it started right here. My aunt would come pick me up every weekend. Started right there also. She would pick me up every weekend and she would have to comb my hair because he would be napping because I didn't want my, I didn't like having it come. And I told my mom I didn't like having it come, so I just ran off. And instead of her sitting down popping me, combing it, she just let me go on. So I had nappy ponytails. And my Aunt Pat had a little bitty fine tooth steel comb. Any bitty fine tooth, and it was still, so it wasn't gonna bend and break on you. All right, all right. And she'd set me between her legs, and she'd comb that hair, and grease that hair, wash that hair, and she put me in the prettiest little outfits. And I can remember twirling when Pastor Johnson uh, walked me to her office, and we walked past the gymnasium downstairs. I can remember twirling all around the floor down there, thinking I was cute in my patent leather shoes. And Uncle Art used to buff my patent leather shoes. He would make them shine. So it all started right here for me. When he picked me up, and after they dusted me off and got the, 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 the smears that the enemy would put on me all week long, and after they anointed me and got me ready to come to the house of God, he would hand me, it started off with $2 and some Annalise candy. Then I, I progressed up to, where the last that I remember, it was $7 a week. But he taught me to tithe. He taught me the importance of giving back to God. He taught me that, 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 that God had me in the midst of my mess. Yeah. That God was going to cover me and keep me. 
So I'm grateful. And today I honor you. I'm so grateful. I'm standing here because of your sacrifice. I need you to know that. I need you to know, Aunt Pat, as I, I, I honor you, uh, it's Mother's Day, and as I honor you, I need you to know that I remember seeing you stand in front of your credenza or armoire or whatever they call them, little fancy things that had all your fancy stuff in it. I remember seeing you standing there praying. And you would pray, and you would pray so hard till you began to pray in the spirit. So that was before I even understood what that meant. So the, the spirit of prayer that's in me is because I saw you praying. I saw you making prayer real. I saw you standing in the gap for all of our family. And I'm grateful. And I love you. So now, I honor my pastor, my amazing husband. He's just so fine with his chocolate self. <laughs> 29 years, yes, we've loved each other yes. and held on to God's unchanging hand. I love you. I honor you today. Thank you. Thank you for, like Pastor said, Pastor Johnson said, you don't know too many folks that will close up the church doors to support his wife. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. And to my beautiful, beautiful mother, I want you to stand. Stand, I said. I love you beyond words. Your kind and beautiful, gentle heart taught me to just be sincere, taught me to love unconditionally, taught me that when others do you wrong, you still do right by them. Thank you, Mother. I honor you today because uh, you're fighting, you're battling. Not many people know, but um, when Pastor Johnson texted Pastor to ask uh, permission, I had to get permission from my pastor to come, um, I was literally in the hospital with my mother and she was being diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, I don't take today for granted. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. So this day, I honor you. This day, I let you know that you are the love of my life. And I thank you for being a good mother. I thank you for taking care of me. I thank you. And I ask God's continued blessings over you. Amen. Amen. Uncle, this is for you. That's your allowance for the week. Don't, don't, don't forget to tithe. Amen. Amen. I'm excited today. So before we get started, because I mean business today. All right. Okay. All right, all right, all right. So before we get started, I need you to stand. I need you to lift your hands to heaven right now. I need you to say, God, you are good, you are kind, you are wonderful. You are merciful and you are loving. You're full of mercy and full of grace. There is none like you, there is none beside you. There is no one that can compare to your goodness. Thank you for your redeeming 
salvation. Thank you, Lord God, for your covering and your keeping, Lord. Father, we give you glory today. Lift your voices and tell him how good he is. Lift your voices and tell him thank you. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for keeping us, Lord God. We know that it is only by the hand of the living God that we are here today. That's why we say thank you. We give your name glory. Ephesians 2 and 8, 2, 8 through 10. Uh, you may be seated because uh, I'm just going to give a little context. Ephesians was um, written by Paul, and it was written while he was in prison. And Paul had been to Ephesus earlier before he was in prison, and he stayed there for almost three years. He was there for almost three years. So Paul had a close relationship with these people. This is, he, when, he, when, when he's writing to them, he's, uh, he had been ministering to them uh, day and night. One of the scriptures says day and night and going from house to house for almost three years. Yeah. So he was invested. Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 his heart and his passion was for those people. He wanted them to win. Right? Yes. Amen. So I love Ephesians because Ephesians unveils the mystery of God's will for the church. It does it like no other uh, book of the Bible to me. It, 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 it just it shows the mysteries of God. It shows his intricate workings from the beginning to the end. And it gives us his master plan for you. His master plan. So it's giving you secret stuff that the world can't see and that the world wouldn't understand. But it's, 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 it's not hidden from you, but it's hidden for you. Amen? It talks about how uh, God formed a body to express Christ's 
fullness in the earth. Yeah. It talked about his plan of uniting uh, one people, both Jew and Gentile. Both Jew and Gentile. So that included us. He didn't leave us out. He had a plan from the beginning to include us. Yeah. Among whom God himself will dwell. He made a plan to dwell within you. Dwell within you. What a mighty God. To equip and to empower. And here's the thing where we're going. And to mature this people to the end that they extend Christ's victory over evil. So he's in you, dwelling in you, living in you, so that you can, can, can extend Christ's victory in this earth. Amen? Let's go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, for you are saved, I'm sorry, let me, pastor always gets me. I am in the Christian standard Bible, uh, Dr. Tony Evans. That's the translation I'm reading from. And it says, verse 8 says, for you are saved by grace. Through what? Faith. And, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for how, what? For what? For good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So we are his workmanship. We are his handiwork. I am his workmanship. So, uh, uh, Dr. Roman may remember me sneaking off, running down, getting into stuff that I shouldn't have got into, but I'm his workmanship. He was at work on me. Amen? So Ephesians unfolds the process by which God is bringing the church to its designed purpose in Christ. Our purpose is in Christ. His designed purpose in Christ. The recreation of the human family according to God's original kingdom intention for humankind. Adam jacked it up. Adam jacked it up for us. Because when God created us, everything was perfect. Everything was lovely. And Adam jacked it up. However, God had a plan. That's right. And in Ephesians, he unveils his plan. He unveils the mystery that he had for us. And so we know that uh, uh, he said that for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So I'm here to say how many of us are saved? 
How many of us have accepted Jesus as your Savior? Your Lord and Savior. He's your Redeemer. I'm here to tell you, salvation is not enough. Repeat with me. Salvation, salvation is not enough. Now, by no means do I discount or discredit our salvation through the, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He paid a price that is beyond anything we could imagine to save us. But he saved us for a purpose. God says in his word that he created us for good works. Good works that which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So he didn't save you for you to sit on it. Or he didn't save you to stay that way forever. Salvation is not enough. God created us for purpose. We are his workmanship, his handiwork, pioma, P-O-I-E-M-A is the Greek word, poyama, poyama, poyama. The word signifies that which is manufactured. We're a product. We're a design. We were produced by an artisan. We're produced. But listen, poyama emphasizes God. The master designer who designed the universe and created the stars in the sky and the sun in the sky and the moon by day and the sun, the, the sun by day and the moon by night. He has redeemed the believer as his new creation. He redeemed us as his creation. Me. I belong to him. Abba. I belong to you. You. You belong to him. He's your daddy. We are a new creation. We are his handiwork. And when he did that, God has a purpose in mind and salvation is only the beginning. How many of you know salvation is only the beginning? You know, it's a proven fact that a very high percentage of all people that accept Jesus as Savior never progress in revelation, in their revelation of him. They never progress. What he was to them then is what he is to them now. Whatever he was then, that's all he is now. The level that they got in at is the level where they're at to this day. I'm here to tell you that if you are not progressing, you are regressing. If you're not progressing, you're regressing. If you are not progressing, you're regressing. Amen? We must grow in the fullness of Jesus Christ. We must allow him to grow in us. Hallelujah. The new body, the church, has been endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit to enable those surrendered to serve 
and live new lives of faith and maturity for the fulfillment of God's kingdom. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Our treasure is that Holy Spirit within our earthen vessels, and our power is from God. He put inside of you, Brother Roy, uh-huh. an extraordinary power. That's it. He put inside of you, Pastor Marvin, yeah. an all-surpassing power. Yeah. He put inside of you, Uncle Art, okay. a preeminence, yeah. a, a, a spirit of excellence, yeah. because that is his spirit. Yeah. He put authority within you, yeah. because we have the Holy Spirit within us. Amen? So that Holy Spirit will give us the strength and the power to do the good works that God has called us to do. It is not in and of ourselves, but it is through us, in Christ. Amen? Amen? The church's chief responsibility is to introduce Jesus Christ and his kingdom to society at large. We're not here to build big churches. We're not here to have fancy light shows. We're not here for uh, an anointing service, this or that. Those are just the byproducts of our purpose. God said the the chief, I'm saying that the, the chief responsibility of the church is to introduce his kingdom yeah. in society. Yeah. They won't see Jesus unless they see him through you. That's right. So it's, it's bigger than your salvation. Yeah. It's bigger than us being on the church road. Yeah. They need to see. The reason why our world is so dark and it's dying is because we're not shining like we're supposed to. Hallelujah. So I'm asking today, as I finish my message and as I continue to dig in, that you take an introverted look. That you take a look at your relationship, at your relationship with the king of kings, with the master designer. And I need you to stop and say, am I really fulfilling the purpose that he created me for? Am I giving the good works? Am I doing the good work? Am I allowing him to do the good works through me that he needs to do? What areas am I getting in the way? What areas am I stifling his spirit within me? I need you to look at yourself. I need you to, and you know what? I don't care how long you've been at it. We all got some growing to do. Amen? The church, we focus more on doing than we focus on being. I'm going to say that again. We focus more on doing than we focus on being. We just do church. We do this program. We do that program. We got the missionary this. We got that. We got this study, that study. We focus so much on doing. But God is saying, I need you to be the church. I need you to be. I need you to be my vessel. Yes. Yes. 
In the Old Testament, the temple was the house of God, right? Uh, and that is where his presence and glory resided. But thank God under the new covenant, the glory of God resides in the church. Who is the church? I'm the church. You're the church. We are the church. The glory of God resides in the church. We are the temple of the living God. It is not me living for him. It's allowing him to live his life through me. Yeah. I need you to say it. Say, it's not me living my life for him. It's allowing him to live his life through me. It ain't about you. It's bigger than you. And we don't get that, church. We're so busy worried about how we feel what makes us comfortable, what makes us happy, yeah. what gives us pleasure, yeah. that we forget that it's him, it's about him. Yeah. He needs to live through me. Yeah. It's not about what I want, when I want it. What does he want? Yeah. What does he need from yeah. me? What good work does he need me to perform by his spirit? Yeah. Amen? Amen. Yeah. We miss it. We miss it. And we think that we think that when we're able to uh, offer things to God that, that we're doing something. It's not even about you. And you're not even capable of doing a good work without him anyway. And if your heart ain't right, it's just going to fall to the floor. Amen? So we focus more on doing then we focus on being. Doing church instead of being the church. It's him living his life through me. And how do we do that? How do we do that? So we're gonna have a few points and then I'm gonna sit down. We must know our identity in Christ. You must know your identity in Christ. It's bigger than just being saved. You've got to know your identity. Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. My identity is in Christ. Yeah. The old Larisse is gone. Yeah. And the new Larisse is in Christ. Everything that I am and everything that I will ever be yeah. will only be when I'm in Christ. Yeah. When I allow him to have his way. So I need you to think of that for yourself. All the doing that you do, all the being, all the whoever you are, praise God. All the being, whoever you are, is it in Christ or is it in you and of yourself? The whole purpose of the Christian life 
is to be fully identified as a visible and verbal follower of Christ. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. I said the whole purpose of the Christian life is to be fully identified as a visible and verbal follower of Christ. You must die. Listen. You must die to any identity that is independent of Christ. Lonnie, you have to die to empty any identity that is opposite of Christ in your life. It's got to die. It's got to go. In the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid an amazing price to switch our identity and have a relationship with us. So as he expresses his life in and through us, we have to be grateful. We have to be surrendered and submit. We must live a life that is alive in Christ. So we must know our identity in Christ. And we must live as one who has been made alive in Christ. Amen? Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. We're not where we need to be. And we're not doing all that we need to do. Because you got some of you that's still alive. You got some of the old man still hanging on. So I'm telling you, we must live a life. One that's made alive in Christ. Die to your flesh. Die to the things of this world. And know that you are made alive in Christ Jesus. Believers must be tuned in spiritually. In order to do this, you must be tuned in spiritually to receive the data needed for daily living. We might start out thinking we're doing good. Just because we want to do good, right? I have a, I, I believe that all of us want to do good. We want to live right. You start off kind of doing right. But if you're not tuned in spiritually, if you're not connected to the vine, if you're not uh, uh, holding on, if you're not sti- if you're not in Christ, if you're not in Christ, you won't receive the spiritual data needed for daily living. We must put to death what belongs to the earthly nature. It's got to die. If it doesn't die, you will die. Uh, It's the truth. If we don't don't let it die, it will kill us. If we don't let fornicating and and being promiscuous and and premarital sex and and, uh, lying cheating and stealing and backbiting. If we don't let that die, it'll kill us. You may have have salvation, but are you doing the good works that he prepared you to do? Are you fulfilling his purpose? 
And I think a lot of us have a lot of growing to do. You know, listen, I'm just going to be real with you up here. Uh, when Pastor got called back to Peoria, uh, I did not want to come. I had a whole attitude. And I wasn't, I wasn't die, I wasn't dead to Christ then. But I was a whole pastor's wife. I was there every Sunday. I, I did the things that were required of me. I showed up. I was there. I smiled. But it wasn't in my heart. I wasn't, I wasn't dead. I wasn't, he wasn't alive in me. I had half of me alive that had a whole attitude about being here. I couldn't effectively minister to you. I couldn't effectively do the good works that God called me to do because I had an attitude. I was not submitted or surrendered. So I'm just saying, don't look at me crooked. Don't look at what we say, Pastor. Don't look at me with your halo, with your crooked, with your horns crooked on your halo. You know what I'm trying to say. If, in other words, don't look cross-eyed at me because if I had it in my house, I'm sure some of you got it in your house too. So we gotta be real. We gotta be real so we can get it right. We gotta be real and raw with God because He already knows anyway. Be real with ourselves so that we can uh, be in position to do the good work that he's called us to do. We are dependent on the spirit to enable us to make a spiritual connection with God. Right? When this happens, God illuminates his word so it becomes alive in us. So we've got to be surrendered to the spirit because otherwise we won't need it anyway. The mysteries that are hidden for us will just fly right over our head. Because we're not in tune with the Spirit. See, I can be in tune with the Spirit and know who to pray for and how to pray for them. The Lord will use me to meet needs. He will use me to be a light and a vessel. Amen? Amen. So he needs you to be in tune with him. In tune with his Spirit. Illumination does not involve a new revelation. We all think, oh, I'm, I'm going oh, girl, I got a new revelation. I got a new revelation on that word. Or, oh, he illuminated that word. Rather, illumination involves God giving a believer understanding of the meaning and application of the scripture yeah. in the midst of your own circumstance. Yeah. So it's when he gives you the meaning, understanding for you to, to apply it. Right. You, you can learn something new all you want, but until you apply it, yeah. you have not been illuminated. Yeah. You don't have a revelation until you apply it. Yeah. Right. Live it out. Walk it out. Let it transform you. Yeah. Let it renew you. Yeah. We must always remember that my old life is dead and my life now is hidden in Christ. And it's allowing him to live his life through me. Christ is not merely to be in your life. He is not merely just to be in your life. He's not there just to dwell. 
is to be the total sum of your life. If he is not your everything, then you're not alive in Christ. Pretty much. We must be a living sacrifice. Romans 12 and 1 NIV says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. Reasonable service. It is your true and proper worship. So we think coming here shouting and... uh, Singing real good. And my brother-in-law know he can do some runs. All of that, I mean. But his true and proper worship is when we're surrendered to God. Therefore, in the light of uh, the great plan of salvation that was outlined in Romans, and because of all of God's mercies and benefits brought to us as Christians, we need to respond appropriately. God did his great work. It's finished. His work is done. Salvation has been given. Victory has been won. Our faith is sealed in him. Amen? There's no more work to be done. It's done. It's finished. It's a finished work. However, we have got to be finished within ourselves. In our Christian walk, in our daily living, his benefits uh, and his mercies that he that he uh, bestowed upon us, we have to respond appropriately. How many of us have responded inappropriately? Yeah, we all have. But think about it. Before COVID, this, this, this was packed, jam-packed. Now they don't want to come back. They got so many other excuses. But we have to respond appropriately to the to the for the uh, uh, salvation that He gave us, the redemptive power, Him living on the inside of me. I gotta have a place for Him to dwell. We need to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It means complete and total surrender. That's where our problem lies. We want to surrender that part, but I'm going to keep this part right here because I like to do that. I enjoy that. I ain't hurting nobody. This This is just what I like to do. What difference do it make? They don't know. They don't know what I'm doing over here. But he needs complete and total surrender. I have an analogy. It's the difference between what a chicken and a pig bring to a bacon and egg breakfast. We're talking about complete and total surrender. And it's the difference between what a chicken and a pig bring to a bacon and egg breakfast. The chicken makes a contribution, but the pig gives everything. Don't just offer God a contribution. 
So the chicken can just lay an egg here, lay an egg there, and then you happy with the egg, but he's gone on about his life. That's how often do we do that? Yeah. We come to church, raise our hand here, raise our hand there. We may give you a little bit of offering. may not be the title. I'll give you a little slap or something, Lord. Yeah. Complete and total surrender is what God needs from yeah. us. Yeah. Only total surrender can be called true worship. So if you are not totally surrendered, you are not truly worshiping. So we have work to do. Sacrifices are made at the altar. We must build an altar in our hearts so that we can make make a sacrifice to God daily. Amen? Amen. It's at the altar where spirit meets spirit. So if you don't have an altar within your heart where you can surrender and die to yourself daily, then you cannot fully hear from him and cannot be fully used by him and you're not shining his light in the earth fully. You're not doing it. So we've got to surrender completely. We've got to be completely and totally surrendered. It is at the altar where you kill your flesh and allow him to live his life through you. It is at the altar where humanity meets divinity. My human soul can meet his divine presence. My broke down heart can meet his healing presence. It's where humanity meets divinity. It's where I feel like I can't take another step. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to get through this trial. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I meet him at the altar. And I die to myself. And I say, Christ, you are alive within me. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? It's where you say, my victory lies in Jesus. And you get up and you let his light shine. At the altar. It's at the altar where his glory dwells. And trust me, where the glory of the Lord is, transformation will surely follow. So, you might be struggling. There might be an area that you know you need to get it together. I'm telling you to build an altar in your heart. And you take that thing to the Lord daily until it dies. You you know what? The altar was a bloody place. It It was not a clean and pretty place. It was a place of sacrifice and slaughter. It wasn't an easy place. So I'm telling us today, we need to take those things that we're struggling with, those things that are keeping us from doing the good works that God has called us to do, lay it at the altar and and let God kill it off of you. Amen? We should offer our bodies all that we are as a living sacrifice each day to God. We need to know that uh, in 1 Peter, uh, it said, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. 
Be prepared to follow him in suffering. Uh -huh. We got so much going on these days. How many of us have some suffering in our own bodies? How many of us have some suffering in our families? How many of us have some struggles on our jobs? How many of us need a job? How many of us can't stand the job we got? How many, I mean, we got some struggles going on. And I'm here to tell you that we must live godly lives even in the midst of our trials. And we need to know that suffering and persecution will come. Circumstances do not affect godly principles. Your circumstance doesn't give you an excuse. And it, and it doesn't affect godly principles. His principles are for us to live upright. His principles are for us to live justly. His principles are for us to live by his word. So your circumstances don't give you an out. We need to faithfully glorify God. Even when you know you will face persecution. Remembering that the spirit and glory of God will rest on you in the midst of your suffering. I think about my mom and how we almost thought we lost her almost a year ago. And she said, she, she would just keep saying, God's got it. Whatever it is, God's got it. And then, then when they diagnosed and said that the cancer metastasized and spread to her brain, she said, God's got it. So the spirit and glory of God is resting upon her in the midst of her suffering. Yeah. We've seen her sick. I've had to, I've had to literally be her caretaker. But the spirit of God is resting because we're surrendered. So when you surrender, know that the spirit of God will be resting up on you, empowering you to accomplish what is needed, to do the good works that he has called you to do, to be the light in this dark and this dying world. Amen? So I'm going to close. We must know our identity in Christ. Say it. I must know my identity in Christ. We must live as one made alive in Christ. We must be a living sacrifice. Amen? Spiritual maturity is entirely contingent upon your connection with the King. So if you aren't maturing, if you're not uh, progressing, you're regressing, it's because it's, it's completely contingent upon your connection with the king. And the only way we know, only way we can be connected with him is if we truly understand what our identity is in him and how we are made alive in him. I am not inadequate. I am somebody in Christ. I have purpose. Yes, yes. There's nothing you can say about me that would make me inadequate because I am in Christ. And we must be a living sacrifice. 
Not for your glory, but for his glory. I'm going to close with this. 1 Corinthians 5 and 12 says, we are being saved. Being saved. Refers to the present tense of salvation for deliverance from the power of sin. Believers must continually abide and hold fast in the knowledge and application of God's word. So salvation is not enough because we need to live for him. We need to be totally surrendered to him. We need to be uh, dying to ourselves daily. And we need to be being saved over and over as we lay ourselves on the altar and uh, to come to maturity. Not that we need another salvation. We just need to mature into what he has called us to be. He saved it, he did it once and for all, but we have to mature into who he has called us to be. So I encourage you today, War Chapel and Liberty Church of Peoria, that you be totally surrendered, that you be totally submitted. Those things that you hold on to, if you don't let it go, it'll kill you. So let's kill it. And surrender to the Father. Amen.